Hi, this is Kelly Darty, and I'm the host of the His Hill Podcast. Now, usually you're going to be hearing Lizzie's voice for the introductions and then the closing, but uh, today we're going to do it a little different out of necessity. I am recording this from, of all places, my bed. And you might be thinking, what in the world? Well, I'm, I'm sick, and I didn't think it would be right to take the equipment into the office and expose other people to what I'm dealing with, so you're stuck with me. But I'm thankful that I get to do it, because uh, I have the opportunity of talking directly to you, uh, with just wanting to express um, thanksgiving. We are so thankful to the Lord that He has given us such favor with you. Lots of you have sent messages to me uh, expressing your your excitement over this new division of the His Hill Ministry and also the timeliness of it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's encouraging to us and uh, exciting to see how the Lord's using this. And, uh, and it's, it really is our heart's desire to, to encourage you in Christ, to remind you that if you've placed your faith in Christ, you have every, every reason for hope in whatever you're going through, for the certainty of Christ in whatever you're going through. Um, and also, I want to uh, remind you that if you have any ideas for topics to cover, uh, then are even uh, people to interview, then just uh, you know send me a message. I can't guarantee that we will get around to to this uh, your your suggestions, but I do promise to prayerfully consider them. Um, today's podcast will be an interview with Bill Bushhouse. Bill is a former director at His Hill, a very good friend of mine. He and his wife, Ellen, live in Fredericksburg, Texas, just a few miles from us, and they were very gracious in allowing us to come into their home, into Bill's home office there, and to uh, have this conversation with him. So I'm sure you will be blessed as much as I was in just sitting down with him and having this conversation. Uh, Make sure to stay uh, with us after the interview because we have some closing announcements. Okay, so I'm here with Bill Bushhouse for today's interview. We're really thankful that Bill's uh, willing to do this. He has continued to be a part of the ministry where able. He continues to come in and teach. And, uh, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Bill lives locally. He's in Fredericksburg, so he's only about 25 minutes away from my house. And uh, we're, we're at his place now. We're sitting in his office at his house. And, uh, and uh, we're just looking forward to what the Lord's going to do with this conversation. Again, for those of you who are alumni who uh, maybe don't know Bill, Bill was a student at His Hill. Then he, uh, he was gone for a few years, came back as a teacher and was on staff and then ended up being the, the director. And uh, now he is, uh, how long, Bill, how long have you been uh, gone from His Hill? Oh, gosh, Kelly, we've been gone as far as not full-time. Yeah. Probably about 10, uh, no, 15 years. 15 years, yeah. Uh, I, was, uh, I was a student when Bill was first brought on staff. Uh, I was uh, in, his, in his first class. He, he was there for the spring semester, and uh, we, were, we got to know each other there. And actually, it's just been a blessing for me to have the friendship of Bill uh, for decades now. 
And uh, he's, he's always been one to be very clear in reminding us of Christ and encouraging us in Christ. So, Bill, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking part in the podcast. Glad to do it. Uh, Bill, now let's, uh, let's go back to uh, the beginning. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you were born in Florida, right? No, I was born in California, actually. Oh, really? I moved to Florida when I was very little. Okay. All my schooling and upbringing was from okay. Florida. Though. Okay. Uh, did, were, you were not part of a, a, a believing home, were you? No, we were not. Okay. What, uh, what, was, what was your we were, home life like? We were nominally raised uh, Catholic. My mother took us to church now and then. My dad, uh, non-participant there. Okay. And um, it was, uh, you know, as far as the Bible, I'd never heard a word of the Bible till I was in my twenties. Mm. Okay. Well, what was uh, what was growing up like? Growing up, we lived in Florida during in an area that was um, Kelly. You'll understand this real swampy. Yeah. And we lived on a little intercoastal canal, not a man-made dug one, but a real, <laughs> we had a little 10-foot John boat, a three-horsepower yeah. Evinrude. And so my whole life was really, you know, fishing, crabbing, shrimping, and doing sports, playing football and baseball and mm. running track. Wow. Yeah. And, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's it. <laughs> well, sports, the sports was a big part of your life for a while, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You, uh, you actually... Uh, kind of progressed a bit in football. Yeah. I did okay in, in, in baseball and track, but I loved football. I really liked football. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think I got some awards, local awards, and I was recruited to the U.S. Naval Academy and West Point, actually. Got oh, really? Got an appointment to both. Oh, I didn't know that. And decided to go to the U.S. Naval Academy. Okay, and so you uh, you were at the academy. You uh, you, you were uh, one of the quarterbacks there for a while, right? I was one. There were tons of quarterbacks, <laughs> good ones. Okay, better than me. All right. Well, now, okay. So now you were there for a year, right? Just uh, actually one semester, Kelly, before I had my auto accident. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about that. Uh, now you were you were no longer at the academy. When the accident happened, right? I was technically in the academy. I was on what similar to leave status. Okay. And I was driving a car and got in a wreck. Okay. Okay. And then, and then uh, for people who are listening who don't know this, uh, Bill, from that wreck, Bill was paralyzed. Right. From waist down, right? From the waist down. I remember uh, waking up in the middle of the road and a buddy who was in the car with me wasn't scratched hardly and he came back and said you okay and I said oh, yeah I feel okay and I tried to move and I said I said I can't move my legs I can't mm. move and then I started feeling pain okay so they took me to the hospital and I remember the day very clearly where the doctor came in neurosurgeon and said you'll never walk again wow how old were you I was 19 19 yep and so now you're in your 60s right uh 68 68 and so all that time, you've been in a chair. Yes. You know, I, that's just mind-boggling to me because I was talking with some of our mutual friends the other day about this, and they agreed with me that being in a chair has not, from our perspective, has not dictated your life. So much to the point that we keep forgetting that you're in the chair. 
you know, we, you, you do things, you find ways to do things. We'll go out and eat. And, and I keep forgetting you're in a chair. And uh, that's, that's been really challenging to me uh, just to, just, just observing you and being around you. Like I really do. I, I keep forgetting you're in the chair. Um, it, even today setting up in here, you know, you had to remind me to move stuff out of the way so you could get out of the building for a moment. I just, I don't even think about it, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. The example that you've given just in how you, how you've lived your life, you just kept pushing forward, kept moving forward. Yeah, Kelly, uh, that's kind of you to say, um, but uh, I told Ellen the other day, I said, you know, there is not a day goes by that I feel and am aware of my limitations. Really? Yeah. Whether it be pain or I can't get in somewhere or a narrow bathroom door or, you know, holding a shotgun to my shoulders, whatever, wow. whatever it might be. But early on, I remember seeing when I was back in 19, I was in the hospital for 13 months getting rehab. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's not like today where it's real slick and, hmm. you know. But uh, I saw these guys and all of their activities revolved around the wheelchair, wheelchair bowling, wheelchair basketball, wheelchair. All their friends were in a wheelchair. And I determined that, I'm not, that I was not going to define myself uh, merely by my wheelchair. Okay. So I said, what can I do? You know, that's not wheelchair prefaced, you know, wheelchair right. basketball, wheelchair. Um, and so uh, I, that's when I started, you know, practicing my guitar more. I decided to go back to college and get my degree and uh, just emphasize things that uh, were not prefaced with a wheelchair. Well, that's, and I've seen that, you know, right now, even as we sit in your office, there's instruments hanging on the wall that you have either built or repaired. And, you know, you've, you've really, you've grown in that, in that arena. I've, and I've been with you in, in music stores before. I remember one time you, you had a guitar taken off the wall and you started playing it. And you probably don't like me saying this, but I'm going to say it. Um, it's my podcast. Uh <laughs> We uh, were there. You start playing, and I looked around and realized, and it was a pretty big store. The whole store shut down, and people were starting to gather around to listen to you play. And I thought, how amazing this is! You know, you've just—it really, you are not defined by being in the chair. Um, so now, after the accident, that was probably the biggest crowd I've ever had. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk a while for about that. I know other things about that. Um, now, you still were not a believer yet. Okay, so you, right. you've had the accident. You've gone back to school. Um, tell us about how you came to know Jesus. Yeah. Well, it was uh, in my uh, sophomore year. I was uh, going to summer school, and um, the, one of the dormitories there is the one that had the wheelchair-accessible room. And so I was there basically by myself. Oh, wow. During about, I think it was a two-week period, the university uh, leased the remainder of that dorm and several other dorms to a southeastern uh, gathering of um, Youth for Christ. Really? And there were hundreds, hundreds, <laughs> and I got the four spiritual laws shared to me. 
You know, I don't know if they were assigned to go tell someone the four spiritual laws, and I'm the only guy on campus. So. Oh, wow. But they were a sweet group of people. Looking back, very sweet young folks, but not much younger than me. But I didn't respond to that. Uh, but a girl, a young girl, uh, I remember her. She left a little New Testament outside the door of my dorm. And I opened my door to go somewhere, and there's that book sitting down there. I didn't read it, but I kept it. And every time I moved, I took that book with me. I didn't have any books back then, Kelly. You know, just a few textbooks and stuff. And But I kept that book. And... uh, then I, um, I graduated from the University of Florida, home of the Fighting Gators. I graduated. SEC. SEC, yeah. And I graduated in 76. My, my major was in real estate, urban land, appraisal of property, development of property, investment analysis, all that good stuff. I loved it. It was fun. But I bought this old building in downtown Gainesville, and uh, that was empty. And I gutted it. And renovated it, stripped the floors, the beautiful long leaf pine floors, and sprayed about six layers of 90 years of colors of paint off the beautiful brick. Had to put mortar back in between some places, but got the old brick looking good. And uh, I opened up a nightclub and a restaurant. Okay. And, but during this time, Kelly, um, I got real depressed. We'll just put it that way. Okay. It was very downcast. And uh, I remember going, getting up late in the afternoon because I'd come home, you know, early in the morning. And I would look in the mirror and just sort of psych myself up to go to happy hour. That's wow. That's what I happy hour. Wow, that's interesting. I'm going to go and be happy. and But I was not happy, mm-hmm. and I knew that. And I would go in there, Kelly, and I'd look around sometimes, and I'd ask myself, I wonder if everybody else is sort of faking it mm. here. And about, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, about a month after that, I rented out part of that building. I didn't use the whole space, but I rented it out as an office to a very well-known, successful architect, wealthy fellow. Short story, he took his life. Oh, wow. Right in that office. And I thought, man, he was the epitome yeah. of what was supposed to be successful. But anyway, I went home. Several times, back and forth. And Kelly, uh, I don't say this, uh, this embarrasses me. Uh, It's hard to say. Mm. But I started storing up uh, sleeping pills. Oh, wow. And I did. And I got enough. One day I got up from my bed. I said, this is the day. And I was heading to the bathroom to take those pills. And I had to go buy that bookshelf. Mm. And I looked up. And there was that little book that girl gave me. Wow. A desk, a little desk like this I could roll under, and the books were above it. And I grabbed that book, and I opened it up, and she had written in the front, one day you're going to read this. Really? Yeah. And this is the first time you saw that? It's the first time I'd seen it. Wow. I didn't even open the flap. <laughs> wow. So I'd had it uh, with me three years. And uh, I started reading, and I was amazed. I never read anything like that. Mm. I'd heard about Jesus, of course. I'd heard about Jesus. How do you live in America and raise Catholic and not hear about Jesus? Right. But I never heard the things he was saying. I never heard the things 
that were in there, and they were wonderful to me. Mm. Um, I read that passage, the passage that really got me uh, thinking is where Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Wow. Take my yoke upon you, you know, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. That's the Bush House paraphrase. Okay. BSV. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't know much of anything. But I did know I was heavy laden. Okay. I did know I had a burden that I could not bear. Wow. But I went on like that. And I'd meet with my buddies about every night, and we'd do what, you know, college-age guys would do during the 70s there. And uh, one day, I was sitting in my living room, which is about the size of this room, not big, a little apartment. And I had a great guitar collection then, Kelly. Six strings, 12 strings, electric, just a really nice collection. Wow. And I was sitting there. You probably remember this guitar, that big Gill Jumbo 12-string, a massive guitar. I do, yeah. Uh, used to lead singing Isil with it. Okay. That thing yeah, was yeah, I do a remember. Massive, beautiful, and a 12-string, easy to play. I'm getting off track here. <laughs> but I was sitting there playing that guitar, and then I turned it over and just set it in my lap and was thinking. And in a very real and powerful way, uh, that cannot be explained except to the believer, mm -hmm. people who know the Lord. I was convinced of my sin. Not merely of having committed sins, which I had, the list was very long, uh, is very long. But I just felt that I had sinned against God. I don't know, you know, that I mm. had never conscious of that, never aware of that going about blindly in my life, but that I had sinned against God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sure. But, uh, I don't know, five seconds later, seven, <laughs> one of the verses I read or the idea of it came to my mind, Christ died for your sins. Mm. It was as clear as if Jesus was in the room. Wow. He was not, but he was, you know, in spirit. Yeah, yeah. And I was convinced of my sin, and I was freed from my sin, Kelly, and joy flooded my soul. And uh, the first thing I did, one of the first things, well, a buddy of mine had come over in between th that evening. And when he came over, I was flushing a bag of pot down the toilet. Wow. Nobody told me this. I hadn't gone to church. And I said, I just don't want this or need this anymore. Mm. Uh, and then I pour, poured a bottle of Jack Daniels down the sink. I didn't drink the hard liquor, but my buddies did. Uh, I drank sarsaparilla. <laughs> I had other favorites. But uh, I don't know, something in me felt it was... Uh, not commensurate with the one I had just met. Wow. So I thought the whole world changed, Kelly. Wow. I thought some light had come on in the whole world, and, yeah. you know, the age of Aquarius had come. <laughs> 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 to put it, that's an old song for y'all yeah. who don't know. You know? 
70s mode there. But uh, I took that little New Testament with me about a week later, and I would meet with my managers. Really? Yeah, one did the lunch business, one did the nightclub business, and in the switch time, we would meet. Did they want to do this? Oh, this was not the Bible study. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no. Oh, we met a business just meeting. for business okay. yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah, just to switch over. How much money did I lose today? Okay, good. <laughs> How much am I lose tonight? Okay, good. Uh, but I brought that book. I said, you guys ever heard of this book? And they laughed, Kelly, because we were just a big mocker. They thought I was joking. I said, listen to this. And I, I'd read it, and it was just dull on their ears. Oh, wow. And then I learned, you know, as I began to read, I read through that New Testament, and then somebody suggested, and rightly suggested, once you get a whole Bible and a translation, that's a good paraphrased Bible you're reading, you know, and beautiful testimony of Jesus, clear. So I did. I got a whole Bible and started reading and growing in Christ. Wow. No church yet. Wow. That's the, that is exciting to hear, you know, that you don't... that. Christ is more than capable of communicating through His Word, mm-hmm. and and He wants to, you know, for and for the heart that's ready, you know, He can He can penetrate, and uh, that's amazing. So at this point, you still have not had any kind of discipleship. You still haven't you're not even part of a church. No. Wow. So where did you? Go? How old were you at this time? I was. Uh, let's see. That was nineteen seventy seven, which would have made me twenty four. Okay. And uh, if my math is right. And, uh, yeah, actually, to tell you the truth, I went back to the Catholic Church. Okay. I thought, oh, okay, maybe that's what they're talking about. And immediately I started talking to folks about Jesus and what he had done and what I'd read in the Bible. And they looked at me like my two managers looked at me, you know? Okay. They didn't get it. At least the folks I was talking to. Okay. I'm not okay. branding the whole sure. thing there. Um, so I... I didn't know church. <laughs> you know, I, didn't know. I just started reading my Bible. And see that old King James right there? Yeah. Kelly, the Lord led me to read through that once a month. Wow. I love the whole. Do. Really? Yeah, it doesn't take that long when you think about it. Really? Yeah. You read a good novel in two weeks. So, anyway, yeah, I, you know, Kelly, I, when I was in the Navy, I derived some income through my disability. Okay. The Veterans Administration gave me a certain disability income. And uh, so I didn't have to work. Didn't have to. So I put the bar on the market and started reading my Bible. And if you spend, you know, hours a day reading your Bible, you can get through it pretty quick. Oh, okay. All right. So that was your initial Bible study time. Yeah. No, I don't do that these days. You know. Okay. So um, did you eventually find a church? Yes, I did. I decided to sell the nightclub, like I said, and I sold it. And I said, I'm going to get out of Gainesville. Hmm. I didn't want to go to my hometown because I knew some of the, you know, the sure. the old habits, yeah. the old places might be a draw on me. Right. So I moved to Orlando. I had a brother in Orlando and got me an apartment. And a buddy of mine back in Melbourne, O'Galley, Florida, who uh, was a Christian, said, Billy... That's what he called me, Billy. He said, Billy, you ought to go to a Loma Baptist church. Now, remember, I was raised Catholic, and we were taught to go to a Protestant church would be a sin. Okay. So I did not 
eat in. But I did. I was invited by another girl in Orlando who lived in the same apartment complex to go to. Let's put I went to the Assembly of Gods. I went to the Presbyterian. I went all over the place. Wow. And my buddy kept hounding me, go to a Loma Baptist church. So I went there. And I went in there. It was a Wednesday night, actually. They, there was, you know, on the board, it says meeting tonight or something like that. So it wasn't far from my apartment. So I went in there. And the guy I heard, I said, this is the stuff I've been reading. Oh, real? Wow. Yeah. And I said, this is wonderful. And one of the guys said, well, why don't you, you know, we're having a special week of meetings. Remember that year? Yeah, said, I do. Revival yeah. meeting. Yeah. I don't know if anyone was revived. But it was a great week of meetings. Turned out the speaker was the director of the Torchbearer Schools in Australia. Wow. Alan Ketchpool. Yeah. And uh, that's how I was introduced to Torchbearers. Wow. So he was a great speaker. And it turned out the pastor of that church was a wonderful, Bible-believing, Christ-loving man. Okay. Just a wonderful pastor. Joe Boatwright was his name from Winter Park, Florida. And during that time when I was going there, I was invited to come and help a guy work with the youth in South Orlando, a guy named Jim Ellis. I think you've met yeah, Jim. Yeah, yeah. He was in South Orlando, so, you know, then I said, hey, Brother Joe, I've been asked to come down. He goes, yeah, go down there and help him out if you can. So then I ended up down there in South Orlando with Jim Ellis at a church. Okay. Now, did that have anything to do with you eventually coming to his hill? The, oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, it did very much. Okay. Before we get to you coming to his hill, you met somebody while you were, which church What were you in? I was down there at, uh, at uh, Florida Shores Baptist Church. Uh, that's where Jim Elif was the pastor. Okay. Jim's still alive, preaching Christ, loves God uniquely. Mm. And uh, so I was working down there with him, and there was, uh, we made this little apartment in the church building, and I lived right in the church building. Okay. So um, I'm there. It's during the school year, you know, and I'm working with the youth and the college, doing whatever I can to help. Uh, and one day, all the college kids came home from college, mm. and I was in my apartment in the church building, and I came out and was going up this long corridor toward the pastor's office, and I heard this glorious music coming from the sanctuary. Uh-huh. I mean, I like classical music. I okay. like a lot of forms of music. But uh, I recognized it as Frederick Chopin, mm. one of my favorites. So I go there, and I slightly open the door, peek in, and I see this gorgeous, beautiful girl sitting at the piano. And Kelly, I'll tell you, I was smitten. Wow, yeah. I mean, she had wavy, long, blonde hair, you know, down to the middle of her back, just tearing it up on that piano. (laughs) I mean, just, she was a piano major. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot that, yeah. Yeah, she majored in piano. And uh, so we got to know one another uh, in June and July and August. And and her birthday was coming up in September and she's going to go back to college. And I said, Ellen, what would you like for your birthday? And she said, an engagement ring. Wow. So the truth is she proposed to me. (laughs) (laughs) She, if she was here, she'd say, well, I needed to help him out a little, (laughs) (laughs) little encouragement, little encouragement, you know, you know, you're in a wheelchair and there's this, amazing mm. 
young lady, you know, accomplished in every way, beautiful of face and form, mm. as mm. Proverbs says. Uh, so she said, you need to do encourage me. So, yeah, we got engaged that September. She went back to college. And she said it had nothing to do with me, but maybe it did. But she said the Lord told her, you don't need to be up at this college learning all this nonsense. Mm. Um, so she came back home, and we got married the following March. Wow, what year was that? We were engaged September of 1980. We got married March of 81. Okay. And then later on that summer, I said, you know, we ought to go to Bible school. Mm. Just Take a year and not worry about anything. Okay. So uh, the pastor, Jim, he was pleased with that. He said, that's a good idea. So uh, I called Alan Ketchpool in Australia. Really? Yeah. And I said, hey, I'd like to come down to Bible school. Remember me? And he did remember me. Okay. So he says. <laughs> but uh, he said, but we don't have any room and we're totally not accessible for a wheelchair. Okay. He goes, have you tried the school in Texas? I said, I didn't know there was a school in Texas. So uh, then I called his hill and spoke with uh, Sonny Westbrook. Yeah. Remember Sonny? Oh, do I remember Sonny, yeah. And I said, hey, my name's Bill, blah, blah, blah. I'm in a wheelchair. Want to, me and my wife want to come to his hill. So he said, Bill, we're totally not. We're, we're a caliche hill. We're on a hill. And there was no concrete back in those days. Right, yeah. And uh, I said, Okay. I was just very discouraged by that. About three days later, a young lady calls me. She goes, uh, Mr. Bushhouse, my name is Roanne Heiser. Mm. I'm the cook at his hill, mm -hmm. and you're going to come to his hill. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. You love me and have a wonderful plan for my life. <laughs> no, she, was, she goes, I have a brother named Bill who's your age, who's a paraplegic. Really? Yeah. And I'm going to do everything it takes to get you here. Wow. They found, you know, uh, there's a house over there by Johnny Merchants. Used to be all glass. Yes. I think Wayne lives yeah. there. Yeah. That was where we lived. Okay. And they just put a little ramp up there. She put a little ramp there. And they put a little wooden ramp up to the rock house. And the fish house didn't need it. And students and whoever was there would pull me up the hill yeah. or push me. If it was wet and muddy, we'd go through the grass. Wow. So, yeah, Roanne Heiser. Wow. Boy, that's... So we were students beginning fall of 81. 81. Okay. So that's how you ended up there. You were both students. Um, Ellen wasn't really. Okay. She started out and she was just, uh, I don't know what do you call it, auditing okay. courses. Yeah. Okay. Which meant she'd come when she wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> So you okay? So you were there as a student in eighty one, mm -hmm. and uh, when you 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 uh, see now, Sonny was the director, right? Uh, and so after after that year, uh, what did you do? Well, after the school year, um, we thought we stayed as what they call they called them intern staff, right? There wasn't no second year program, but when that intern year, so I stayed another year uh, teaching. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Alan and I thought the Lord was calling us to a French-speaking country. Okay. So first we had to speak, learn to speak French. Good idea. Best place to learn to speak French is Louisiana. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's France. Yeah. So we got a visa to be 
to learn French as a second language okay. at a university in near Marseille. And so um, we spent uh, 15 months in France in an intensive course. In other words, we're in class every day, most all day, and then we are in France. <laughs> we got to order our food. We got to translate a two-by-four into whatever they do. Okay. And the whole mess. And we, I ended up being able to communicate pretty well. Oh, really? French. And okay. I even preached. And Did you? Yeah. Wow. I wrote out my sermon, you know, and yeah. read it pretty much. But I could get by in pretty much every situation. Wow. But no longer. While we were there, Kelly... Um, and our French was about over because it was a one-year intensive course. Okay. Then we had three months left on our visa, you know, tour. Okay, yeah. And uh, I got a call from Sonny saying, hey, would you come back and be on staff and teach at his hill? I said, I'd love to. Well, there's some other things going on there, but basically I said, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Yeah. I ended up there. And that's where I met you. I was a student, like I said earlier, and I remember, I remember you coming in, uh, blue station wagon, I think it was. It was. It was an Oldsmobile. And uh, you, we were introduced to you. I remember. Uh, I remember meeting Ellen, and I was just a student and heard. Uh, and then I think it was Sonny came in and made an announcement. Bill would. Bill needs somebody to drive him around. You were looking for uh, a contractor. You're looking for a home to build. So you, mm. and uh, I looked around and nobody was raising their hand. So I put my hand up and. Because uh, he he had told us, you know, he said, "Now you're going to be you're going to be able to push Bill around, uh, help him into buildings and things like that." And uh, I thought I looked at all these big guys around, <laughs> nobody put their hand up. Well, I'll do it. I remember some people looked at me thinking, "What are you, you know, what are you thinking?" And and I thought, "Well, nobody else is doing. It. I'll do it." And I'm so glad I did because I got to spend the the whole afternoon with you. And you know that I was remember that that was the beginning of our friendship, and uh, I, I just remember enjoying just being with you. It was fun, wasn't it? It was, yeah, driving you around, looking at different homes, and, uh, and so that was that was the start of things uh, for, for us as friends, um, and then you were... Well, that's before we moved up permanently. Right, yeah, yeah. I didn't have the Oldsmobile, just for the listeners, you know, my Oldsmobile was... Okay, so that's where I'm again. remembering that from, yeah. So we flew in, you picked me up, I think, or someone... Uh, someone picked you up, but I I did. You drove me I, I was your chauffeur while right. you were there. Yeah. And then when we drove back, we had the. Uh, yeah, that's when you had that. Okay. Yeah. So you actually came on staff then. It would have been uh, in the spring of '85. Mm, I think it was before that. Let's okay. See. Well, I was a student in '84, '85. So it was, you're right. Then. So spring of '85, and uh, then you ended up being the director. Yeah. And that was uh, what year did that happen? That had to be. Um, I think a year and a half, Kelly, okay. stayed there, and Sonny was there. And uh, one night, we had a staff meeting. It was during Thanksgiving conference, you okay. know. And uh, Major never conferred with me. He never asked me. He never checked out if I believe this, that, or the other. And we're sitting there in the staff meeting, and he's talking. He goes, and I've asked Bill if he would take the directorship <laughs> from Sonny. <laughs> and that's the first I heard Wow. Bill. And there were some folks there who had been with torchbearers longer right. and older than me. Mm. And, uh, and let's just say it was a hard decision, okay. a hard situation. Yeah. But 
There you have it. There you Okay, so you became the director. Yeah, I didn't like being the director, frankly. Okay. I always thought I'm sitting there in the in where Charlie meet in Charlie's office is and I'm sitting there doing this, that, or the other. Uh, I think I even helped with the finances back then. And I'd look at my watch and said, Oh, I gotta be over to the chapel to teach and I just felt entangled. I didn't have the administrative, you know, delegating gifts okay. I think necessary. So So you were director for how long? Uh, about two years, two and a okay. half years, perhaps. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. And then Charlie became director after you. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a good idea if Charlie be director and I'd just be a teacher and I could just okay. handle the, my teaching. Well, I, 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 of course, you know, we don't see often when we're in the middle of something, we don't see the, the good that maybe the Lord's right. using us for. But I know in looking back and in conversations I've had with Charlie, and my brother, Paul, who was on staff at the time, too, uh, that you're, the Lord was using your strengths uh, there as director that have been, very, to this day, have been very influential in the ministry. Um, and, uh, you know, and we're very thankful for that. You know, even though it was a short time being the director, you yeah. were faithful as the director. And, and again, with your teaching, like I said earlier, it's always been very clear uh, I've always appreciated the way you can, uh, you know, the, the phrase we have, you know, bring the cookies down to the bottom shelf. Uh, th- there's no, no, no flash bells, whistles. It's just open the word and let's work through this. And in such a way that's really in, and maybe, you know, you don't see this, but it's very engaging. It's very captivating. It's easy to listen to and easy to follow. And I've always been really uh, very thankful for that because you know after you uh, after you stepped down as director you you were still in the area uh, for a while you and I attended uh, the same church together you mm-hmm. were the Sunday school teacher and I yeah. just really looked forward to those 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 um, those Sunday mornings just hearing you teach and and actually so you took us through Hebrews one time and that impacted some of my teaching with the book of Hebrews and yeah. uh, I remember one of the things you were talking about we were in chapter. Um, uh, chapter eight, and you we were covering the you, you know it starts off. This is the main reason. This don't don't you wish every point. book yeah, had that? Yeah. <laughs> this is, now the main point yeah. is this. And then uh, we get halfway through the chapter, and it starts to talk about if there had been nothing wrong with the old, with the first covenant. And I remember you stopping, looking at us, and saying, "Well, what was wrong with it?" And then you, you worked it step by step, and then we get to the point where, and you say, what was wrong with the old? Me. Me. And that was very impactful for me. And I've used that, and, and I teach Good. Hebrews several times a year for the last 20 or so years. And I've always used that because it was very clear, and seeing that the difference between the old and the new is who it's dependent on. The nature of the covenant, yeah, the promise. Yeah. The old covenant says this. It's in Exodus 19, if you want to look at it, 20, verse 20, I think. It's, and it starts out with these two words. If you, mm. if you will well, indeed obey my voice and keep my, then you shall be my people. Right. Well, that's that's like asking a paraplegic to, you know, run the mile in three right. minutes. Right. Or run any mile. Right. It's you run a mile, Bill Bush House, in under four minutes, and I'll, you know, give you the state of Texas. <laughs> impossible. It's a great promise. Yeah, but I can't. I can't do it. That's the weakness 
of that promise. Right. But the new covenant starts out with these two words, I will. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I will write my law on their hearts and on their minds. Yeah. I will, right? Yeah. And I will remember their sins. And I asked students, I said, now what does this tell us to do in there? And they look and look. And what's our part? Nothing. Mm. That's why it's secure and mm. good and mm. perfect. It's entered into by simple receptivity, faith. Right. I appreciate how Romans 8 says it, what the law could not do, mm-hmm. weak as it was. Through the flesh. Right. Yeah. God did. God did. Yeah. That's, I love that. Isn't that, it's just so encouraging. And we need to remind each other of that. Yeah. I remember one time I was, um, I was in England for one of the staff conferences. Major Thomas was speaking. It was the last time he would speak to the staff in that capacity as general director. And he started, he started the message, and I was sitting in the back corner, which is my comfortable place. And I could see, I looked out over, and I could see, you know, there's 200-plus international staff in there. And you can see them all, you know, getting comfortable because, you know, Major's about to preach, and everybody knows this is going to go a minimum of an hour and a half. And we're, uh, people are getting comfortable, and then he starts preaching, and it's a message that I'm pretty sure everybody in that room has heard at least once. Because uh, he had certain messages he yes. would he would give more than one time. And it was as though he, halfway through the message, he closed his notes, which, you know, he didn't have. And he pushed it aside and he just talked to us. So all of a sudden it changed. And he started to talk to us. And I could tell that nobody in the room had heard him do this before. And he went on to tell us, how many times do I have to tell you the same thing? And then he went on and said, it didn't bother Paul. It doesn't bother me. Hmm. So he went ahead and he said, and it was just an encouragement to us, knowing this was the last time he was going to talk to us as the general director. And he wanted us to hear one more time as the general director. He wanted to hear us hear. He wanted us to hear him say that this is not about you. This life that you've been brought into is about Christ. And it was just a couple of months later, he was at his hill and he was sitting in the fish house. I walked down the aisle, I stopped to, and leaned over and just said, Major, I want to thank you for the reminder that you gave us this summer. And he dropped his fork kind of aggressively, just kind of chucked it, pushed back. And remember at this time, he was barely able to walk, mm-hmm. pushed back from the chair and he stood up really quick. And I thought, oh my goodness, what did I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had been chewed out a couple of times before. So I figured, here we go, brace yourself. And, uh, and I don't mean that in a, in a, no, in a bad way. You know, he, Major Thomas was just very uh, straightforward. And there was times I, and the two times I got in trouble, I deserved it. Yeah. Uh, so he stood up and I thought, here it comes. And he looked at me and he says, that is exactly what it was. It was a reminder Hmm. and we must remind each other every day. Yeah. And I thought Hebrews chapter three, encourage one another daily as long as it's still called today. And I was in, in your testimony earlier, just, you know, talking about, you know, that, that rest, you know, and that's what we're, we're encouraging one another into the rest that is Christ. It is Christ. Uh, and Not a day of the week. Right. And, you know, that's something that we really want the alumni to 
to hear. We want them to hear the reminder. Yeah. Because so many times, I, I think probably the biggest driving, um, the, the biggest driver for me in, in, in starting this podcast ministry has been how many times I've heard our alumni say that they're, they've been discouraged. Yeah. You know, they've had that year at his hill. It was an incredible, and now some of them two years, and it was an incredible time. They were in that community where they were being, you know, daily encouraged and challenged and reminded of Christ. And then they go home and they, they struggle. And, you know, for years we've wondered, well, how do we minister to the alumni without yeah. getting in the way of what the Holy Spirit's doing? You know, they, they've had their time at his hill. We don't want them to be dependent on his hill. Uh, but so we thought, well, you know, maybe a podcast where, you know, just every once in a while they can log in and hear the reminder. Great idea. And so I was just wondering, how would you encourage students? We know that we've had students, they come home, they go home and they get frustrated with church life. They get frustrated with, you know, sometimes so often they, they tell us as, as, as students, they come to us and you and I were talking about this earlier before we started the recording Sometimes we've had students come to us in the beginning of the year, sometimes in the second week, and say, why have I not heard this before? You know, they're, they're believers, they're, they're, they've been in church their whole life, but they've never heard that what you were saying earlier, the difference between the old and the new. The old's dependent upon me, the new is dependent upon Christ. Totally. Why have I not heard this? What would you say to the alumni those who maybe are listening and, and really are just struggling with fitting back in, finding their place where they are. Yeah. Well, I've had to obviously address that question many years with mm. many young people back in the old days when I had to get letters from yeah. students. Right. Now I get emails or texts yeah. or something. And uh, so I have come to, I don't want to say a stock response, but I think it's the right response. And um, I said one closing ceremony, Kelly, uh, last day of school. I said, listen, you're going to go home and things are going to be different. Mm. Very different. I said, but there are two things that made a great difference here at His Hill. And those two things do not have to change necessarily. The intensity will change. Circumstances will change. But that is, you're here with the Word of God. People who love the Word of God taught you the Word of God. And with fellow believers. Mm. You say, well, my back, my home, there is no, you know. Well, wait a minute. You, I think most people, if they looked, if they tried, could find two or three, mm. you know, two or three people become kindred spirits. Mm. It's harder to be self-disciplined than having the director or teachers say, right. okay, be in class at 9.30. But, but it's not an impossible task. Mm. So I would say... Be men, be women in the Word. Okay. Discipline yourself. Because the things you would hear from Charlie or Kelly or Bill, uh, hopefully are from that book. Yeah. From that book. Secondly, uh, find two or three people. Mm. Fellowship with one another. Yeah. I believe you can do that. Now, the church thing is a little different. We live in hard, hard days. Yeah. Very hard days. So I would say this, within a reasonable radius of where you live, because I do believe in the local church right, idea. Yeah, I understand. Within a reasonable distance of where you live, find a man, a pastor that you trust, mm. who believes the Bible, who teaches the Bible. And if the music 
or if the uh, even the denomination or secondary issues, even if those are not to your taste, right? If you can trust this man because he's teaching you the Word of God, go there. Yeah, go there. Hmm. If you can get some of the other things, that's good too, right? right the right. music you prefer or the sure. denomination you prefer. But find a man who loves and teaches the uh, the Word of God. Mm. And lastly, on this, uh, I hear sort of a constant complaint. Well, this church is... You know, what if you went to that church with a mindset of, I want to be a helper. Mm. I want to come here to give yeah. and not to receive. Well, brother or sister, there's tons of opportunity for that. <laughs> you find you a decent little church, a man you can trust, a pastor you can trust, and I mean man when I say man. Right. Uh, find that church and go there to serve. Mm. Don't go there to receive. You, right. spend, you spend a year at his hill, some of y'all two years, soaking it in, greenhouse, right? Yeah. Growing. Now you're released into the wild. Excuse the mixed metaphors here. <laughs> animals and vegetables, but uh, go out, serve, go with a mindset, say, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? How can I help this little church, or mm. big or whatever size it is? Right. Go with the mindset to serve. Oh, thanks. Just as Christ, Christ came to a pretty rotten group of folks. Yeah. You know. He came to serve. And he came to serve. Yeah, that's right. Not to be served. And so that's his that that's his character. Yeah. And if he's alive in us, we need to trust him for that step out that's and right. serve. And I think, too, something that I've learned is uh, one of the things I have to be careful of, uh, because as torchbearers, we have certain terminology, uh, and, and it's, it's, it, it accurately describes truth, but it's not the only way, it's not the only terms. And so often, right. if I don't hear somebody say something the same way that I would say it, or the same well way that Major Thomas would say it, yeah. I, can, I can start to, to put a wall up. But I think what's more important is yeah, listen to what they're saying and how they're living. Yeah, and you'll start to see there are people all over the world that love Jesus who are trusting Him and who know the truth, the right. central truth. Yeah, they might not say Christ in you, and you, they might say the Holy Spirit working in you. Yeah, it's the same thing. Right, it's a, it's synonymous words. Right, like you say. Right, and we we do need that fellowship. We were made for that. Yeah, and and so I mean, it, it, I mean, just look look at how the Lord in, in in creation account, you know, where Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. How wonderful! He, he had come to walk with him in the cool of the day, and they recognized the sound. So it wasn't the first time that he had done that. We were made for fellowship, and one of the ways that he makes fellowship with him possible is with other believers. Yeah. And I, and I, I, you know, I know that that's happened for me in being around you. I've been encouraged in Christ. I've been reminded of truth, uh, and so yeah, I, I appreciate that reminder that you're that that, that you're giving our alumni. Um, well, uh, folks, just in case you're wondering, uh, Bill is still teaching at his hill. He uh, he's teaching both first and second years. It's not as much as he used to. Uh, you know, living in Fredericksburg, uh, it's it's a little bit more the logistics of all you know all of it getting there and all. But but he is faithful. He does that every year. Our students just appreciate him. They love him so much. And uh, and Bill, I I want to thank you again for giving us this time. And uh, is there anything else that you were wanting to say before we end this? Well, I want to say we celebrated our 40th anniversary wow. this year, a few months ago. 
And I want to thank the Lord for the wonderful, 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 godly, fun <laughs> wife he gave me. Oh, that's great. Jesus is good. Yes, he is. He delights to give good gifts to mm. his children. Mm. Uh, wait on him. If you're frustrated about this, that, or the other, wait on the Lord. He gives good gifts. Oh, that's that's really encouraging. Thanks, Bill. If, if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you, how would they do so? Do you have email address you would like to share or any other yeah, way? Yeah, yeah. Let me give you this short one. It's FBGTX, like Fredericksburg, Texas abbreviation, FBGTX at iCloud.com. Okay. So that's a good short one. Great. Uh, well, if you're interested in, in reconnecting with Bill, I encourage you to, to send him a note and, uh, and see where the Lord takes, takes you from there. Bill, thanks again. I appreciate you. I love you. And, love you too, brother. And uh, thanks for this time. You're very welcome. I want to thank Bill and Ellen again for letting us come into their house, letting me bring all the recording equipment in there and to spend time like that. Um, just just having a long conversation. And afterwards, we recorded a devotion that Bill led, and we'll be playing that in weeks to come. You know, I hope you're as blessed with the, with the interview as I am. There's not a time I spend with Bill when I'm not encouraged with the truth that there, there are no um, uh, tragedies in our life. There are, there are no handicaps. There really nothing that prevents Christ from living his life completely through us uh, to, to, uh, to the blessing of others. And, you know, I, I, I hope you're encouraged in the same way. Now, in, uh, in just uh, giving you a few announcements, I want to remind you of the His Hill Thanksgiving Conference. Uh, the dates this year are November 23 to 26. And uh, the guest speakers are Zane Black and Peter Reed. Now, listen, if you can't make it to the, uh, to the conference, and, and really I would encourage you, especially as alumni, you know, to come back and, uh, and uh, you know, plan on that some year. Come back and, uh, and spend the week with us. But, of course, it's not just for alumni. It's for anybody who wants to come. We have, um, we have a great time together with other believers. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, just know, know that you're all invited uh, to, to be there. Uh, now, this year... It's going to be, uh, I would encourage you to get your registrations in uh, uh, soon because uh, this year we have a full house of students. Uh, well, this is the, the, the largest number we've had ever for a student body. Uh, so, uh, you know, make sure uh, you, you get your registration in. If we run out of space here for you to stay uh, the evenings, then you can, uh, you know, certainly there's Airbnbs and other bed and breakfasts and hotels in the area. Um, but, uh, but perfectly consider doing that. We'd love to have you here. Um, also, the summer camp uh, as well has been really full. We haven't had numbers like this uh, since the late 80s and very early 90s. So uh, I'd ask that, you know, you be mindful of this as we finish up the summer. We're just in the last couple of weeks now to be, be praying uh, for, the, for the campers and the staff as well as the parents and, and, uh, and the full-time staff that, uh, that they, they finish well, uh, that this be a profitable summer for all who are involved. 
those of you who have been a part of the, the camp ministry, you know when you get toward the end of these last couple of weeks, especially that last week, can be uh, can be a real um, it, it can be a real battle to uh, to to keep uh, to to keep going. And uh, you know we've always been blessed with a great summer staff that that do that. They keep their eyes fixed on Jesus, and they. They, uh, they finish well. So we ask that you would pray with us that it would be the case again this year for God's glory. Uh, again, I want to thank you guys for your participation in listening and the emails and the messages that you're sending of encouragement. Uh, we, uh, we thank you very much. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so by email, and that's at kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at hishill.org. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, to do that, you'll find us at The His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and in closing, I want to remind you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Mm-hmm.